A monster that would put all other monsters to shame is stalking the most remote parts of the world? What happens when a young boy stumbles upon alien life in his own backyard? And then we travel to Scotland to look at the death of a young woman. When the family starts looking closer at the case, they realize this may reach the highest levels of government. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Now, I gotta let you know, I am having a great day, because I'm spending time with you guys, my friends. However, I did get laid off from one of my jobs. When longtime listeners of this show, I always said I worked three jobs. In the past month, I got replaced by a robot at one. Just today, I was laid off of another one because of the virus. The company pretty much just dissolved overnight. It's suspended indefinitely. But I'm still having a great day. Because here's the thing, we can't, it sucks, absolutely it sucks that now I'm down to one job, and it's going to hurt me financially in the end, but we can't let this stuff get us down, guys. We have to have a positive, if we're not being positive during this time, it's only going to get worse for us, guys. That's why I want, I'm going to just keep doing the show, and actually, I want to recommend you guys also subscribe to my YouTube channel, because I think I'm going to be doing a lot more live streaming over the next couple weeks, too. So, we just got to keep positive. I'm just going to keep putting out content. I'm going to keep doing what I love. That's me sharing these stories with you. You guys need to keep doing what you love, which maybe is promoting the show. But even if it's not, even if you have to stop listening to the podcast for a while, maybe this stuff's too scary. Maybe I'm talking about the stuff's too dark. You need, that's totally fine too, guys. Be positive in this moment. Because if you let this stuff get you down, it's only going to get worse, man. It's only going to get worse. Don't become a prisoner in your own head. You got enough of the news and all that stuff giving you all this bad news. Just check out for a moment. Watch Jonas on Disney+. Plus. That's what I was doing last night. Indulge in your comfort food. There's nothing wrong with that. In, in moderation on the food. Don't, don't gain weight during a pandemic. That, that might be something you don't want to do. But guys, keep positive. And if that means you got to take a break from the show because sometimes this show gets a little dark, that's fine too. I'll be here when you're ready. But let's go ahead and move on to our first topic for today. For our first story, we're traveling to everyone's favorite Eastern Bloc country, straight out from behind the Iron Curtain. It's Azerbaijan. Woo! Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. It's a little landlocked country near Asia and um, the other place that I just saw on Wikipedia. We're flying the Carpenter Copter out there. We're coming over. We're going to... So the capital of Azerbaijan... It's a city known as Baku. The month is February. It's 1989. So we're in Azerbaijan. And there in the city of Baku, which is the capital, we're going to meet a dude, a mechanic known as Shamil Aliyev. Now, back in 1989, he's kind of minding his own business, right? Walking. He's walking around the outskirts of town. I don't know what he was doing there. Could have been collecting cans. Could have been looking for cars to work on because he really loves being a mechanic. Do mechanics rebuild cars for their hobby, too? Never been into cars. So, like, do you ever just get bored and go, oh, I'm going to put this motor together? Like, I don't know how that works. Also, here's an interesting question. If you're a car mechanic, can you work on boats, too? Like, first off, you don't have to be licensed to be a mechanic, right? Like, you're like, just just tell the monster story. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I need a new job. (laughs) I need a new job, and maybe I'll be a mechanic. 
If you're a car mechanic, you don't need a license. You can just work on cars. Actually, that's kind of dumb because I don't think you need a license. I think you can just go and be like, hey, I'm a mechanic and work on your car. But if I wanted to give someone a back rub, I need a masseuse license. Or if I want to like read fortunes, you need like a fortune teller license and stuff like that. So why is it someone can work on my car and not be regulated by the state? Why can someone work on something that's one and a half tons that goes 90 miles an hour, but I can't touch a 90-pound woman's back without getting some paperwork? Now, okay, I can give you back massages, but I can't charge you for them. And they have to, it has to be consensual. You just can't walk up and start rubbing your back. But if I want to get money for it, why does now I'm getting mad because I couldn't make money giving back rubs, but I'd have to go to like masseuse school or like even hair school. You know, you have to get certificates to do hair. You know what? This whole rant is completely useless if you actually need to get a license to work in a car, but I don't think you do. Anyways, Shamil here is part of the automotive industrial complex. He's part of the conspiracy. Shamil here is walking through the outskirts of Baku and he sees across the riverbank a monster. He runs away. I'm assuming he tells his friends, because we know about it. He just didn't go home, sleep, never told the story. What we find out, though, is a couple weeks later, east of Baku, we're in Kyrdekani. Kyrdekani, and that's also in Azerbaijan. It's part of the Asferon Peninsula. All of this stuff sounds like Final Fantasy VII characters. Villagers are all just kind of hanging out. It's 1989. They're still actually part of the the Soviet uh, Union at this point, I believe. They're smoking cigarettes, probably, talking about how much they want to wear jeans. And they see the same monster that Shamil saw just weeks earlier run by. And they uh, all collectively, because, you know, it's communism, they have to do everything collectively. They all collectively poop their pants, run back to town and tell the story. Now you go, Jason. That's it. And I go, yes, that's it. Are you going to describe the monster to us? And I go, oh, hold on, hold on. Yes, I'm going to describe the monster to you. That's not the end of the story. But I wanted to keep it a mystery because I want you to picture this in your head. What monster did you possibly see? Maybe you saw Bigfoot or, I don't know, Cookie Monster or any sort of monster. The monster that's standing right behind you right now. It's none of those. This was a cyclops, which is interesting because we don't run into a lot of cyclops. And it was 22 feet tall. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22 years old sometimes. But 22 feet tall? Mm -mm. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Okay. We have never covered a cryptid that big. Maybe the Groot Slang, which was episode 49 a long time ago. It's one of my favorite episodes. The Groot Slang was a cryptid in Africa. It was half snake, half elephant. It's quite massive, but I don't even think it reached 22 feet high. And I think atmospheric beasts. I think we did a story a long time about sky jellyfish or something like that, which would be 22 feet is about as big as most UFOs are in diameter. Actually, let's put it in a more logical way. 22 feet is a two-story building. So we have a cryptid, a monster, really, in this area that's been spotted twice in one month, a cyclops that's 22 feet tall. Never been spotted since. Is it possible these guys are all drinking Windex? Possibly, yes. But let's assume for a minute that they're not. I think the story's fascinating for two reasons. One, it's easily the biggest cryptid we've covered on 
Dead Rabbit Radio. And two, what would make a 22-foot Cyclops run away? What could that monster have possibly seen to make it flee and never be seen again? That's pretty spooky. That's pretty spooky. What did it see? But yeah, so that's that story, right? <laughs> so that, there's no other way to wrap that one up. But I think it's creepy. Not necessarily, I don't know if it's creepy, but it's definitely bizarre. So that's it. There's no way to wrap that one up. I just thought it was weird. Let's go ahead and travel to Maryland now. Hop back on the Carpenter Copter. We're headed out to Maryland. It's summer of 1989. Same year. These are all out of that weird 1989 website where it's all of the weird... A lot of UFO stuff, but there's some Bigfoot and some other paranormal stuff. I don't think that 22-foot thing was an alien. Who knows what it was? Even like the biblical giants, even stuff like Goliath, this thing towered over the Nephilim. That's what's so weird about it. The dimensions, it's so tall. The giant of Afghanistan, we did an episode on that, was still like 9, 10 feet. This guy was like the granddaddy. Something was scaring him. Something was making him run away. Anyways, we're in Maryland now. This one I like for two reasons. This one I like for two reasons. One, it's just weird. And then two, okay, let me just read it to you. So this story was originally told in Fate Magazine in the August edition, 1989. And there's, so what happened? We have no names. We have no dates. So, I mean, again, take it with a grain of salt whether or not any of this stuff is true. But but anyway, so this dude is sitting at home, minding his own business, and he hears the neighbor's kid. Ah! Oh, oh no, please, what are you doing? No, no, oh no. And the guy's like, what in the world? What? What is going on out there? Why Why is my neighbor's son all of a sudden, um, what's that guy? Mr. Bill from Saturday Night Live. That's an old reference. He gets up and he looks out his window and he sees the neighbor kid going, oh no, please don't. It's a little three-year-old boy. Stay away, stay away. And he sees something weird in the backyard, other than a boy, a frightened boy, screaming. So he goes into the kid's backyard, and he sees what's described as a two-foot-tall reptilian. (laughs) Kind of walking through the backyard. Oh, no, please save me, neighbor, save me. And the neighbor's freaking out, because, I mean, you're looking at this giant reptilian monster coming after you. He picks up a shovel that happens to be in the backyard and bashes it over the head. Funk! And he hits it so hard, the monster's head falls off. You're like, Jason, now you're just reading us like fairy tales out of an old magazine. No, I'm not. Hold on, hold on. He hits this lizard thing so hard with his shovel, the head just pops off and just the thing crumples and dies. And then the mom comes out, the mom of the three-year-old boy, and was like, what in the world is going on? There's a decapitated monster in my backyard. Actually, we also got to say, why wasn't the mom out there first, right? Isn't that like the mom? Isn't it weird that if you have a baby bear, I had to do a bunch of bear research for yesterday's episode, Bigfoots versus Bears. If there's a baby bear, and you, and you step in front of the baby bear, or between the baby bear and the mama bear, the mama bear kills you. But if a human, if there's like a kid walking down the street and you step in front of a kid or like separate a kid and a mom, mom won't even notice. Like, think about it because I don't know why that is. Like, you're on a subway and you're trying to get to your chair and you have to walk between them. You're like, Jason, are you really wondering why humans are more civilized and human women don't maul humans? Yeah, kind of. Like, why is there even a reaction? Now, I'm saying like you, you like a baby bear could walk by you, right? 
And you could do nothing to the bear. You're not interfering with it in any way. And the mama bear will still kill you because you're somewhere near the kid. But in real life, you could be on a bus and there's a little kid and a mom and you can be like, walk by the kid and the mom won't even notice. I would even argue that you could have a conversation with the child and the mom, she'll probably think you're creepy, but she's not going to like cut your face off. I don't even think she would think of... That's my thing. It's not that I want human women to start cutting people's faces off. Do they even have the instinct to... This is what I meant to say. This is where I was going. Do human women have the instinct to protect their children the same way that bears have the instinct to protect their cubs? As in, they have to keep themselves from murdering everyone who comes near their kids. This is going to be a long, this is going to be a long self-isolation if my mind's already this broken. But I, I don't think they do. Actually, I'm pretty sure they don't because not a lot of people are killed by, by mamas. But like, why not? And also, what if a frog, what if there was a bear, a baby bear walked by and then a frog hopped in between the baby bear and the mom? Would the mama bear kill the frog? Is it anything in between the cub? Or is it anything that the bear perceives as a threat? And if that's the case, does the bear perceive people as a threat in general? Or actually, how does a bear look at a human? Does a bear look at us as a human as like another, like a furless bear? Or do they look at us as a separate species? Or like, do they forget about us when we're not around? So when we do show up, we're just this big giant pink thing walking in front of their kid. Also, you can pick up a dog's puppy and they don't attack you. Why are bears such jerks? I guess really, it shouldn't be, why aren't human women like bears? Why are bears so mean to everybody? Because you can pick up a puppy and a dog doesn't bite you. Anyways, bears suck. That's the point of that story. Where was I, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, bonk, knocks this alien's head off. And then the mom is like, freaks out. She goes, dude, what are you going to do with this monster in my backyard? And the guy took it to the dump. That's the end of that story. Now, I like that story for two reasons. One, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but we'll get to that in a second, too. Imagine if you were a lifelong seeker of the truth, a lover of cryptids, and you, the bizarre, and you needed to, like, find... I'm not mocking those people. I guess that did sound like I was mocking them, but you wanted proof. Like, I just like exploring it. I, I've gone beyond the fact of needing proof. I just enjoy the stories. It'd be nice, but... I'm not going to go out of my way to get proof. Either you believe ghosts exist or you don't, you know. But anyways, you have people who, that's their life journey is to find these cryptids. And then you read this in Fate Magazine about some dude who not only found one, but killed it. So he had permanent proof. It wasn't going to teleport away. And then he threw it in the dump. Like, if I was a cryptid hunter in Maryland, I wouldn't then be going out to the swamps and looking for, like, the saggy swamp beast of Okikonoki. I'd just be going to the city dump. Trying to find a rotted alien skeleton. But here's the interesting thing. I think I know what this is. I bet you anything it's a big old iguana or just a giant lizard thing. Like, not a lizard thing from another planet, but like some sort of Gila monster who's kind of walking on two legs or he was like perched up. Like maybe he had a little walker with him and he was like rolling, but he didn't bring it with him. Like there was something in front of him and he stood on it. You're like, Jason, that's more confusing. Should have just said he brought it with him. But I bet you anything, it was a regular old lizard that got loose somewhere and some dude straight up murdered this guy's pet and just threw it in the dump. But either way, 
Still an interesting story. Would you, if you looked out your window and you saw your neighbor's kid who's always whining and crying and playing Fortnite really, really loud, if you saw him about to get attacked by a two-foot-tall reptilian, would you leave what you were doing, grab a shovel, and bash its head in? Or, yeah, you probably would. I, I know my audience. I think we all would. I think we all would. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to our last story, our last story of the day. And this one does not involve lizards. This one actually is really down to earth, and that's what makes it so much more creepy. We're taking one more trip. Let's hop in the rabbit rowboat, because we're going to be involved in a lot of water stuff here. We're headed out to Scotland. We're going to Prestwick, Scotland, to be exact. It's December 4th, 2005. And people are kind of hanging out on the beach, walking down to the beach. dun 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 some are loving, and everyone's like having a good time, but they see someone laying face down on the beach, and they're like, that girl's not having a good time. Let's go over and make sure she's okay. So they walked over, they stopped doing their doo-wop song, and there is a woman dead on the beach. She's fully clothed, her handbag is next to her. Her name is Annie Borgeson, she's 30 years old. Now, she's from Sweden. She's recently in Scotland. She's lived in Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Edinburgh, I believe it is. Anyway, she lives in Edin, the Edin place. She traveled to Prestwick, and nobody knew why she was going to Prestwick. Now, we have very limited information while she's here. We see her at the Prestwick airport. They can follow her on the camera. And they go, for her to get from this point of the airport to this point of the airport in like a minute and a half, she'd have to be running, basically, walking very, very fast. They had footage of her trying to pull money out of an ATM. She didn't have enough money in her account. She denies she puts in two different amounts. She can't pull out any cash. And then they have video of her leaving the airport. Now, the family comes out to Scotland. They're still in Sweden. They come out to Scotland, and they're like, you know, we want to know what happened to our daughter. And the coroner goes, she was drowned. It was suicide. Suicide by drowning. Family goes, oh, that's that just doesn't seem possible. Corner's like, yeah, I know, but you, you don't really know. You don't really know people's mental state. And some people can be dealing with stuff. And the family goes, well, yeah, I mean, we get that it's possible to kill yourself, but it's only been one day, and you've already come up with that ruling. The coroner goes, yeah, yeah, suicide by drowning. You did a you did a post mortem on it, right? You did a, you did an autopsy on the body. No, nope, suicide by drowning. Case closed. What? Annie's body had bruises on it. Well, that's because she was drowning. She's banging up against rocks. She's found on the beach. Wet. She's drowned. Yeah, well, we can agree on that. But You're saying she walked out into the water or jumped off into the water. Drowned on purpose. Got washed up on the beach. Yeah, that's my ruling. Then why is her handbag washed up next to her? Family gets access to Annie's emails. Everything's deleted. The family tries tracking down phone calls she may have made to people. Phone logs deleted. Phone calls that they know were made weren't registered in her phone log. Police say, oh no, we have records of her calling you guys before the accident. The family goes, we didn't get any phone calls from her. At all. And then, while the family is trying to investigate their daughter's death, they start to experience phone problems and email problems. Now, as a skeptic, 
I'm going to say this. That may be not necessarily connected. Because if something's going on, tragic in your life, and all of a sudden, like, your phone calls start dropping, your phone calls may drop every few months and you don't really notice it. But when something tragic is going on or when you send an email and it doesn't get sent out right away, that I'm a little skeptical on. But they they are reporting these things as well. I'm just putting that in as a little, you know, my skeptic hat, my skeptic hat kind of went off on that. But anyways, that happened in 2005. Now we're in 2020. There, Sky News, which is the, it's like a um, media company, Sky News, a media company in Europe. So Sky News starts this podcast, What Happened to Annie? So now you have a group of journalists working with the family to try to figure out how this woman died. And now it may be, the podcast goes, maybe she did kill herself. Because people do kill themselves, and it's not impossible for all of these things to happen. The, the purse has to wash up somewhere, right? And if her body is washed up with the tide in the purse's neck, the purse is just not going to magically disappear. It has to end up somewhere on the beach. And the purse being near the body, what's near the body? 10 feet, 20 feet, 1 foot on top of the body? We don't know. So we need to actually investigate this. Could be something more. It could actually be drowning. The podcast investigates this. They go and they start petitioning the Swedish government and the Scottish government for documents pertaining to this case. What happened to Annie is the name of the podcast. We're not saying she was murdered. We just want to know for sure. So about a week ago, the Swedish government released this statement. The Swedish government, the Swedish foreign ministry is involved in this now, released a statement involving this 30-year-old woman who washed up dead on the beach. Quote, Information has been deemed classified as secret according to the provision of Chapter 15, Section 1 of the Public Access to Information and Secrecy Act, and has been redacted to the attached file. The reason for this is that the information concerns Sweden's relations with a foreign state and a foreign authority, and it can be assumed that a disclosure will damage Sweden's international relations or, in other ways, harm national interests. Sweden hands over the documents to the podcast. It's nearly completely redacted, including the official cause of death. Can't tell you what it is. It'll damage Sweden's standing with at least one other nation. This woman wasn't a spy. She wasn't a journalist. She was just a person. What's interesting about this story is, one, how high up it's gone And really, the podcast is at a standstill. This is all the information they can get. And you have to think, here's a couple different scenarios. One, she did kill herself. And that almost is out the window now. Because then why is the Swedish government being like, "Uh -uh uh-uh, we don't want to know people from Sweden kill themselves. It'll damage us with foreign governments. It's possible she saw something she wasn't supposed to see. She was taken out by some spooks. That's one scenario. Two, it's organized crime, organized crime that may have ties to some government, and it's some sort of that, and then you get really tied into conspiracies. One of the interesting, because a lot of people are putting out theories for this one, one of the interesting theories is there is a reporter named Christina Borgensen. So, not exactly the same name, not exactly the same name at all, but some people believe that Annie Borgessen and Christina Borgessen were confused at some level. 
Because at the same time in 2015, Christina Borgesson, a journalist, was exposing a story which Scotland and the United States deny. Absolutely deny this story. But Christina said that Prestwick Airport in Scotland was being used by the CIA for rendition flights. Rendition is where you would arrest terrorists, you take prisoners in a combat zone. So Afghanistan, Iraq, America officially does not torture people. But we have allies that do torture you. So we're going to put you on a plane. We're going to take you to Turkey. And we're going to let them torture you. And then we'll get all the information we want. And yeah, waterboarding and stuff, enhanced interrogation was the term they used, but CIA would do stuff like sleep deprivation or waterboarding, stuff like that. We're talking torture. Torture. To get information. Black sites. CIA black sites. That's not a conspiracy theory. That was one of the big news stories that came out of the Iraq war. Journalists worked really, really hard to uncover rendition flights and black sites and all this stuff where CIA... They can take you to a country where torture is legal. Drop you off of there. Have a CIA agent on site. Or maybe even not. Maybe just let them get the information out of you. So they believe that this reporter was investigating rendition flights at that airport. And maybe the CIA or some other group went to kill her. Got the wrong girl. It's possible... So all, this is always a scenario that usually gets overlooked. The CIA wants to silence Christina. But if she disappears, it looks too on the nose. So you kill someone with a similar name. Let's say that the Illuminati wanted to shut up Dead Rabbit Radio because I revealed too many truths about that reptilians are really just iguanas with walkers. They kill someone named Mason Marpenter. In a public weird way, right? Mason Marpenter gets beheaded at Mall of America. Should stop revealing the truth. That's a theory. But it's also possible that Annie saw proof of one of these rendition flights herself at the airport. She saw something, looked through an open door, looked down a hallway she shouldn't have been, and caught a glimpse of something going on she shouldn't have seen. Who knows? The fact is, the government of Sweden doesn't want us to know why. Knowing why, and even how she died, could damage Sweden's standing with the world. So even if it does have something to do with the rendition flights, why is Sweden afraid that it's going to hurt them if the United States was pushing stuff through Scotland? I think the one thing you can hope for if you ever get kidnapped or murdered or something like that in your final moments is justice, is fairness in the universe. Sure, this serial killer may shoot me in the face, but as the bullet's penetrating my brain, I know You're going to fry. You're going to get caught. You're going to pay for this. Now, I personally believe you pay for it in this life or the next, or both. 
you may live the rest of your life sitting on the beach, nothing ever happened to you, but then in the end, you will pay for it. But outside of my sense of cosmic justice, here on Earth, you want your death to be avenged. If not avenged, at least understood. At least some loved ones having peace with how you died. But when you have multiple governments keeping your family from having that sense of peace, you have to wonder, is there any justice for this family? All they want to know is what happened to Annie. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Be safe, be kind, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.